You are listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. We have shows coming up. We're going to be in Phoenix on the 18th of January at the Orpheum. Uh, Los Angeles, the 19th of January at the Palace Theater. Philadelphia, uh, the 8th of February at the Lou Klein Hall at Temple Performing Arts Center. And Atlanta on the 9th of February at the Center Stage Theater. Guys, we are also sponsored by Third Love. Third Love Bras, uh, perfect fit. I don't have to tell you that. Using million, millions of real women's measurements, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. More sizes than most other brands. Some, size, some, some brands come in and they're like, hey, we got one and a half sizes, not Third Love. Third Love is the industry leader with 70 sizes, including its signature half cup sizes. They're, that's crazy. They're, they're blowing the market open with that business. And also very convenient. Skip the trip. Do it online. Get your, find your fit in 60 seconds with their online fit finder order. Try it at home. Boom, you got yourself a bra. That's how I do it. We here in this household, uh, one person wears a bra. I'm not going to say which one of us, but uh, it's very comfortable, and we like it. Look, Third Love offers double the number of sizes. I told you that. It uh, cups from uh, A through H, bands up to 48. I don't know what that means, but it sounds amazing. 50% of women fall between the standard cup size, so Third Love invented half cup size. Now I know. I just read it. That's pretty great. Uh, 100%, 100% fit guarantee. Their team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. If you don't love their product, returns and exchanges are free and easy. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off, 15% off their first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash dollop now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dollop for 15% off today. Yeah. No. No, no. It's becoming somewhat of a tradition that I'm not a fan of. Uh, You're listening to the dollop. It's a bicentennial American history podcast. Each week, I drinker of beer. Man with skin. Good God. Lover of Bixby. Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Uh, we have shows coming up in uh, Phoenix on the 18th of January. We have a show coming up uh, the next night in Los Angeles. And then we have shows coming up the next month in um, uh, Atlanta and uh, Philly. Philly, yeah. So yeah. go to dollarpodcast.com to get tickets. Um, uh, yeah, well, Houston's tomorrow, so it doesn't I'll matter. be in uh, American Comedy Club in San Diego, December 27th oh, through the 29th. <laughs> That's exciting. American yeah. Comedy Club's really great. Ooh, always fun to kill momentum. It's just we're giving out dates for what's the fucking problem? No one here is freaking out. Everyone's still excited. They're so 
I've been wanting to do this story for uh, uh, two years. Um, I read it. Two, I read it two years ago. I have a friend, uh, Josh Olson. He wrote uh, history violence of, history of. He wrote the history of violence. Oh. And uh, I read this story, and I was like, "This, I'm not gonna do this as a dollop." And I just sent him an email, and I was like, "I think the thing like was, holy fuck, this is a movie." Um, and so we wrote it, and we're actually sending it out next week. Uh, so. And we worked so hard on it. I mean, this when is, the three of us uh, yeah, not, got together, whoop, whoop, and when you're penning a script, whoop, and that's what we called it uh, in the room. Uh, yeah. Ew, no. Uh. Sucker. I just got a third of everything. Dumbass. Don't put your hand up like that. You just entered a contract. See you in the writer's room, Josh. I don't think you know how a contract works. I'll get the works. cork board and the tax. This story was in Texas Monthly. It was written by uh, a great writer who wrote for Texas Monthly for years called Jan Reed. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Great writer. Got shot in Mexico. Shit. Um, he made it. My he wrote right. about it after. That's how we all know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, a little bit. Late 1940s, Texas! Sterling Blake Davis Sr. was on the wrestling circuit. Okay, all right. He was known as Dizzy Davis, or sometimes Gardenia Davis. (laughs) Depending on the locale? (laughs) He sported a very colorful, hand-sewn robe and handed out flowers in Smokies arenas, uh, mostly in Mexico or on the... On Texas border, down near Mexico. Okay. Dizzy was an over-the-top, very effeminate character. Okay. One could say he was the first gay wrestler character. Okay. But Sterling didn't see it working out beyond Mexico, and he handed the character over to his Houston buddy, gorgeous George Wagner, who then went to California and made a fortune with his routine on TV. Okay. After a decade or so, Dizzy retired. Okay. By 1972, he owned a large home. Dizzy the, did. Dizzy. Okay. Well, are, we, are we calling him Blake, Dizzy? Blake, no. Sterling's, okay. Sterling. Dizzy's gone. That's a character. Well, don't get angry at me. You're well, the one who's... You, you called him God- Dizzy eight times. Follow the goddamn story. I have. So Sterling... A.K.A. Dizzy. Dizzy's dead. He didn't die. He got handed off. Yeah. Well, don't lie to me just because you want to make a point. Some other guy made a fortune with his character. Yeah. Gorgeous George. Sterling. Had a house. In 1972, Sterling owned a home, large home, on the east shore of Dallas's Lake Ray Hubbard. Okay. He's 68 years old at this point. His, okay. health, is, his health is not great. Is he getting dizzy? Because then maybe a renaissance. Okay, go ahead. He's divorced, uh, has two sons, grown sons. One, Blake, uh, Sterling Blake Jr., nicknamed Cooter. Oh, boy. Awesome. Um, Cooter had been arrested with 700... Of course Cooter had been arrested. <laughs> Duh. Of course Cooter's gone to jail. No, if a cop... If a cop's like, what's your name, Cooter? Come here. Come here. Ah, what do you got in your pockets? Go Mass weed? What do you got? Say? What's up your butt, Cooter? Well... Your Honor, I wasn't doing nothing. What's your name, son? Cooter? Uh, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's grounds for search. <laughs> you can't... I'm Cooter, son of Dizzy. Uh, so Cooter had been arrested with 770 pounds of pot in Arizona. 
which is, yeah, that's, that's a lot of pot. It's a lot of pot. He liked to smoke. He was a big, he fucking loved smoking. It's a lot of pot. So he, what can you legally carry? Is it under that? (laughs) Yeah. In California, you can carry 769 pounds. Ah, foolish man. Yeah. So he, he got put in prison in Arizona. For what? <laughs> now, Sterling himself had not exactly been flying the straight and narrow himself since his wrestling days. Okay. Uh, been running scams. Okay. So his latest one was convincing people to get into bullfrog farming. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that's a scam? I just bet the farm on a business such as that. Oh, damn it. He would tell them, he would tell people they could make a shitload of money from raising bullfrogs. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I got no more questions. Of course you can. Quote One investor testified that Davis falsely claimed. Test- testified isn't good. <laughs> Uh, that Davis falsely claimed to own a 650-acre frog farm in Arkansas. Sure, the old frog farm. Yeah, for sure. Man, look at him hop for my... Look, man, you see him. Man. Farty, I can see. Just bullfrogs are hopping. Hey, we just found a speaker that's making bullfrog noises. No, no, you can see him hopping out there. Head on out, milk some. Mm, bullfrog Supposed to be milk. the best milk for you. Rihanna has a sponsorship with... Frog mill. He said, in a single year, Rice University research scientists bought 9,000 bullfrogs from him at $16 a frog. <laughs> Do the math! Is it, I mean, is this about the frog bubble? <laughs> the frubble. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a sub-frog mortgage. So he'd sell people a $3,000 package to get uh, them is, started I mean, in the world like of bullfrogs. This is expensive sea monkeys is what this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say this, but my grandparents did, got in, whatever. It didn't, they, it didn't go well for them either because it's not real. So you, he would sell people a three, yeah, my grandparents bought a bullfrog uh, situation. All right, okay. <laughs> He just wanted out of the house painting business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Something tells me he went back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to fucking paint because of bullfrog debt. <laughs> ah, the market frogged on me, you know. It, uh... <laughs> so here's the package. Two portable swimming pools. <laughs> so far, it's a great one. With bad filters. Frogs. An instruction manual and a piece of vibrating sheet metal called an, called an automatic feeder. What? So you want the you want the so you'd put maggots on the metal, which and the metal would bounce, and then the bullfrogs were supposed to think that the maggots were alive and eat them. Uh, what did he just like? <laughs> Come up with some option generator that was like, all right, we got cheat metal, we got maggots vibrating. All right. One guy hung a dead armadillo full of maggots over his metal, and that still didn't work. Weird. It wasn't, everyone was buying it, it wasn't working. Needless, needless to say, it's, it's, uh, it's all total bullshit. Right. Bullfrog bullshit. And mo- most people would eventually set the bullfrogs free because they were starving. 
oh, they couldn't figure out the maggot automatic yeah, the feeder? bullfrogs were like, no, that's not a yeah. thing. <laughs> One woman s- s- sat in a tree. What? Uh, uh, climbed up in a tree with binoculars to watch to see if the bullfrogs would. They didn't. Yeah, the problem's proximity. They're like, we don't like eating in front of others. When I hid up in that tree, they still wasn't eating. I was so high, I needed binoculars. So he scammed 70 people, at least 70 people that we know of. Okay, nice chunk of change. Uh, and was arrested. Okay. He testified that his bullfrog feeder... His bullfrog feeder... There it is. Say it 20 times. Yeah. He testified that his bullfrog feeder worked perfect for some people. Not, not others, though. Sure. And in February 1974, he was found guilty on 10 counts of fraud. <laughs> of frog? Fraud. Fraud. Sorry. Fraud. Both, really. I mean, yeah. yeah. The judge said, Frog quote, fraud. The judge said, quote, you are one of the best con, con artists that has ever appeared before me. Oh, thank you, Your Honor. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Cooter, get the car. I'm in jail. I know. Oh, right. So he's supposed to, he was ordered to make restitution to his victims. He's fined $10,000 and sentenced to five years in prison, uh, followed by five years probation. Okay. Uh, but Davis claimed bad medical health. He, uh, he had a long scar from open heart and surgery he recently had. Okay. Which he showed the doctor, uh, the judge. <laughs> the doctor was like, yeah, no, I did. Yeah, no, I did that. <laughs> I don't need to What's see that. What's your fucking deal now? So you can't put anything up my butt because I got this. What? Which appointment am I at? Yeah, no. This is, uh, we do oil changes. Oh. Well, I can't pay for it on account of this. But you say something about your butt? Yeah, no. You know, you need to hear some bullfrogs. That'd go great. You guys got all this metal? Those are basically feeders. (laughs) Uh, So the doctor then changed... The judge. The judge, sorry. I keep saying doctor. Uh, in May of 74, the judge sentenced, uh, changed him to probation for his whole, his whole uh, run, 10 years, right? Okay. That same month, Cooter was paroled uh, from his Arizona prison. Wow, this timing's lovely. Yeah. And then he was arrested in Mexico for transporting 175 pounds of marijuana. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Cooter. Look, if it works, it works, right? Well, it hasn't worked. Yep. What? So. So for three weeks, he was strapped naked to a bed while federales interrogated him. Jesus. Yeah, it's not cool. You shouldn't. Down there, it's not as. Nice to put on a bed, though. That's like, you're like, okay. I thought it had a a mattress. Oh. It was just like. That's in my mind. Okay. (laughs) And he's hard. Okay. A weird little mind palace you have going on. And they put a little Mexican flag on his wiener. Huh? There we go. You talk, Cooter. So after three weeks, he signed a confession that he could not read. Uh, He was imprisoned in Saltillo, and then uh, he bribed a warden. So his dad got him on. Hold on one second. Can you be quiet over there real quick? Sorry. Yeah. Well, we just did a recording recently where someone was talking the whole show, and we listened to it. And we were like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, that was Boston. That yeah. was uh, we called them the loud people. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to be rude. The person at the Boston show was like, "Ah, uh? 
I was like, I'm just trying to concentrate up here at the show that yeah. we're doing. Um, okay, so he bribes a, a warden $2,000 to tunnel out of the prison. Okay. And then he, he starts tunneling. So wait, he basically bought like a tunnel permit? He didn't just, like the warden, the warden's the top dog. He should yeah, just be yeah. like right out this way. But instead yeah. he's like, you got to earn it, okay? We're trying to find out if fear is a factor for you, okay? You can dig. Here's so he's, a spoon. He starts tunneling. Uh-huh. And then the warden tells all the guards. And so Cooter's like, I was framed. I was fr- and yeah, he tells, framed by the warden. He tells the guards that. So then the warden had other inmates attack Cooter uh, with blades. So he ended up getting a big cut. And so he's not a, got a big scar under his chin. Jesus, okay. Look, it's not, it's not, cool? it's not great in no. Mexican prisons. No, no. American prisons are awesome. Yeah, that's where you want to. That's where you want to go. Somewhere nice, Miami, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, you get a nice view Complex. of the beach. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. So Sterling, meanwhile, needed employment as part of his probation. So he convinced the administrator of a non-accredited college in Dallas that he had a valid degree in psychology. <laughs> Man, okay. And that he had experience. He did not have anything. You don't at need all. to tell any of us that part. <laughs> Where's this Trump University located exactly? <laughs> you see on the map here. What are you talking about? So soon he was teaching night classes on meditation techniques, what which is- he said were started by Andean Indians. He called it transcendental relaxation. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> I... So he has a psych degree in his head, and in order, and that well, part of that is he teaches meditation. Yeah, that's his jam. Okay, it's his main thing. Okay. In January 1975, he applied for a state license to practice clinical psychology. Right, but he has no. Yep. Experience or expertise yeah, right. or knowledge. Nope. Right. Right, and now he's getting a better degree. Well, he he then learned that he was required to have two years of experience supervised by a licensed psychologist. That's going to be tough. So he got a psychologist to sponsor him, and he opened an office on the Northwest Highway. Wow. Yeah, it was the 70s. A lot easier to get bullshit done. Yeah, everything went. Uh, uh, He had a vibrating chair for... um, Is this true? Yeah, he had a vibrating chair for patients. Is that good for... I feel like that's not good for a patient. (laughs) Just like, well, I think it all comes from my mom when you actually... You know, like, a lot of people say the first few years are just so important. Is there any way to get it to a lower setting? Because I'm a little, I'm not good with motion. Anyway, I like, like I, I think, you yeah, know, yeah. Dad, Dad obviously left, and m- m- Mom. I'm going to take it up to 10. Okay, oh, God, oh, yeah. my God, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. Grandpa hit me. <laughs> All right, shut her down. So, during all this time, Sterling was trying to get his son out of jail. Okay. He tried embassy uh, channels, the Mexican embassy. Okay. But no go. And then he found out if nobody was hurt and no property was damaged, there was no law against jailbreak in Mexico. Whoa. (laughs) See, you know, every system's flawed, but at least Mexican jail's like a video game. You're free to try to escape, but not you murderers. You don't try to leave. It's the same thing in Belgium. I guess the idea is that they think that just uh, from like a human perspective, if you're locked up, you will try to escape, so don't punish the person for that. 
I'm not following. I think I need a vibrating <laughs> chair. <clears throat> so, he starts looking for money to hire someone to break Cooter out of prison. Okay. Now, Cooter's lawyer had gotten him transferred closer to the border in Piedras Negras. Um, but instead... <laughs> that was very half-ass. Yeah. Definitely not yeah. from there. Yeah. That was a hiccup. Yeah. Mistimed hiccup. Yep. <laughs> but instead of transferring Cooter to the main prison in Piedras Negras, they transferred him to the municipal jail, which is basically part police station, part jail. Well, that's fun. Um, there's five cells, five cells for men, one for women, and then a drunk tank. Okay, all right. The cells were eight feet by nine feet, no windows, four bunks, and up to 12 prisoners in each cell. Jesus. So you would work your way up uh, based on seniority to, to bunk. To a bunk? Yeah. I would just try to get shit-faced and go to the drunk tank for a little while, a little vacay. I don't know. Where would you get the... Toilet. Turtlet. What? Turtlet. Turtlet? Turtlet. Red wine turtlet. What? Huh? What's happening right now? Don't ask where the grapes come from. Wink, wink. Where? Turtlet. 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 Not turtlet, but actually turtles are really great to raise. I have a turtle farm. Are you talking about putting booze up your ass? No. Are you? Yeah. Well, that's weird. That's how I drink. By the way, at uh, midnight tonight, I'll be down at the ass bar. Yeah. On 7th, uh-huh. um, which is a great new bar. Yeah. Turtle. Another Jaeger, sir? What's turtle? Tur- turlet. Like toilet, but turlet. Oh. Yeah. Fuck, I thought you were saying turtle. Yeah. I picked up on that. <laughs> He's my favorite character from the HBO show. Uh, so in the, they, there were no windows. The lights were always off. So the only way they could tell what time it was was by meals that were being served. They never went outside. They weren't allowed outside. So after, uh, there's a little bit of, not sure about the time, but after a while, maybe a year and a half, Cooter lost, he lost about 25 pounds. Okay. It's hard to work out in a cell with 12 dudes. Yeah. Uh, his body's covered in boils. Jesus. He had an abscessed tooth. Uh, and then Sterling went to visit him, and he was horrified. Sure. And Cooter said he didn't think he would survive his sentence, which I believe is eight years. So back in Dallas, Sterling put out the feelers in the underground world, dive bars, drive-ins, all-night restaurants. Okay. <laughs> sure. Seems pretty undercover. <laughs> Just walking around drive-ins. Hey, you all break! Yeah. You want to break someone out of uh, prison? Yeah. Popcorn? Yeah. Are you, are you fingering her? I'm going to roll this window up. Well, yep, I'll see you later. <laughs> so he didn't have a lot of money to offer. And anyone who tried it could easily end up in prison or dead, right? A lot of upside. Yeah. Sterling interviewed a lot of uh, not very experienced men. And then he gave an advance to a gang who used it to buy guns and an El Camino. Sure. You've got to roll over there in style. can't just be some hacky gang. And then they partied until all the money was gone. Okay. All right. Phase two. Get him out of jail, right? Or is that sort of... 
Fallen well, by the way. Well, then they asked for more money, and he was hey, like, we "No, need, uh, more, we need another car." Uh, yeah, we're gonna need another El Camino. Yeah, we got it. And never mind. Yeah, uh, another team went down. Uh, and he hired more guys and they went down to the jail and then they saw all the security and they were like, no, we're not doing that. Okay. So they just took the money and He's left. really running through this bullfrog cash. Yeah. Now, Don Fielden. Don Fielden? Don Fielden. Okay. He's a high school dropout who joined the Marines and went to Vietnam. Okay. Quote, they'd been telling us all along that this was a police action First night I was in Da Nang, they shelled the hell out of us, and I thought, man, I ain't never see a cop through go, th- go through this shit. So he didn't think it was a police action. Okay. 19 days before he's so scheduled. So not super familiar with the concept of war before the signing up? I mean, you know. A little, yeah. yeah. 19 days before he was scheduled to come back to America, uh, he's put on radio watching a bunker, and then he has to take a shit. So he walks to the door, and he's looking at the shitter, which is like a two-man little hut-type thing. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get into it too far. It's like a two-toileted hut? It's a two... Yeah, there's just... Well, probably buckets or holes. It's just a... Uh, uh. So like an outhouse? Yep. Okay. And so he's looking at it, and he's thinking if he has to go so bad, should he run for it? And then a guy goes in, and then it gets hit with a rocket. Yeah. Shrapnel hit his right shoulder and almost severed his right leg. So he's, he's, that's the Marines for him. He's kind of wrapping that up. Did he ever get to take the shit? Uh, I think he, right when the shrapnel hit him, I'm imagining uh, that. Hard to, hard to focus on that area after such a. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, that took care of that. Yeah. (laughs) Business. (laughs) Boy, my problem from earlier just dwarfed. So, he gets better, he heals. Uh, in 1970, uh, he's released uh, from, uh, from the Marines. He doesn't have a pension disability. Okay. He starts drinking a lot. Okay. He liked to hang out with other Vietnam vets at a Dallas bar called the Town Pump. <laughs> Proceed? <laughs> He got a job as a long-haul truck driver. Uh, he did extra work as a collection man sure. for a group that fronted as a nightclub janitor service. I don't even understand the con. <laughs> he fronted? What do you mean? Well, so they pretended like they were a, a, a nightclub janitor service, but they're actually just a loan shark collection guys. Oh, okay, right. So they're like, oh, you come in and clean your toilet? He's like, yeah, okay, fine. And then they're like, yeah, yeah we're well, going to kick the shit out of you. Give us some yeah, money. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, he learned to be a man of violence in the war, and nothing in civilian world matched the excitement that he had felt in war. Oh, no. <laughs> On March 3rd, 1975, he's driving down the highway. Guy cut him off. He got so mad that he pulls out his pistol and starts shooting at the guy from his truck. What did the guy from in the truck do exactly? Cut him he, off? Yeah. yeah. All right, so I get it. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver what Golden... What turn are we taking right now? <laughs> what? <laughs> Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Golden Richards was driving next to the truck and saw the whole thing. Okay. And he reported it to police, 
But then for some reason, Golden Richards refused to turn up to testify at the grand jury. Hmm. I wonder what that was all about. <laughs> so Don walked. Jesus. Don was fired from his trucking job two days before Christmas. Well, let's not just... <laughs> yeah, I think that's... I'm on the side of the trucking company on that one. Let's not, uh... <laughs> Your awes are way off. Let our, let our hearts not break too much for this. Um, he separated from his wife. They had two kids. Okay. I mean, you're closer, but come on. It's not... This dude shot a man. I don't know how great of a dad he is. He shot a man. Well, he shot at a man. Well, he shot at a man. And then he heard through the underground, a friend of his told him that someone was looking to hire some men for a jailbreak. So Don went to Sterling's office on February 16th, Sure, do it at an office. Absolutely. I have an appointment about the jailbreak. 76. Hi, I'm here for, uh, is this the jailbreak uh, situation? I'm auditioning to break someone out of jail. That's all I know. I have a 445. So he goes into the office. Now, Sterling has a Ph.D. diploma on the wall. Sure. (laughs) Which, apparently, we can all do now. If you want, you just put it up on the wall, and you have it. It's from the University of Mexico. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, U of M. Yeah. Go Banditos! So Don heard a little bit about the jailbreak, and then he asked Sterling to tell him how to say, get your hands up and other phrases in Spanish, and Sterling changed the subject. <laughs> well, what does Sterling think he's getting? He's like, no violence. Just looking for a real smooth move. <laughs> Don then realized Sterling was a con man, and he did not respect Sterling at all, but he needed the money. And he still craved the action after Vietnam. He said he would free Cooter for $5,000 and expenses. Well, there it is, you know. <laughs> It's going to be stopping for lobster the whole way. That's how you make it up. Uh, he agreed to take all the money after the job was done. Now, I don't know much, but I have seen forensic files. <laughs> you normally do a little up front and then a little after. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's willing for... But after he'd been taken by the other two gangs, he doesn't want to give up any money ahead of time. Okay. Still, it's quite a job of faith. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Uh, so soon Don, uh, was down doing recon in Eagle Pass, which is just across the border from Piedras Negras. Jail was three blocks from the toll gates and the International Bridge. So it's not a long, it's not a long trip. It's really setting up for... (laughs) What? It's not a long trip from the jail Uh to the... Uh Uh-huh. Don uh, went and he visited Cooter. Hey, Cooter, it's me, your old pal, Don. Well, Cooter was a family name, so as soon as Don called him Cooter, Cooter knew what was going on. He knew why he was there. I mean, okay, sure, he spoke Cooter. (laughs) Cooter, you're here to break me out, huh? No, I'm the new warden. What happened? So Don also gets to look at the jail, and the jail is super far back from the street, so he realizes if that's the case, he'll need another man. He can't do it himself. Okay. Mike Hill. Oh, boy. Oh, Mike. Mike is 32, son of alcoholic parents. 
dropped out of school at 13, and lived in an abandoned fire station. Is he a Dalmatian? <laughs> Look, I got his leg going. <laughs> Stop it, Ted. Uh, Mike stole a bike to get a delivery job. Uh, ended up spending a lot of time in juvenile hall through his teens. Okay. In 1965, he was convicted of burglary, but given probation. And over the next 10 years, repeatedly arrested, but never convicted. Always we, There was really an era where it was a lot more probation-based as opposed to now. Where oh, where there's uh, money in putting people in prison? Oh, Dave, stop. Come on. We're trying to have a good time here. You don't need to talk about the prison industrial complex. <laughs> Let's have a little light fun, huh? Let's not uh, anchor the moment down. We're having a little fun here tonight. Come on. It's a fat chew, and we're going to keep it light. <laughs> you socialists. Over the next 10 years... Uh, oh, I said that. So he starts buying cars wholesale. Who, Mike does? Yeah, okay. Mike buys cars wholesale, and then he sells them in classified ads. So that's how he's making a living. Okay. That sounds legit, right? Yeah, that's not... No, it's not too bad. It's pretty normal. And then he gets a tow truck. Okay. Starts running a wrecker service. Okay. Which is one of the flatbed ones, right? Sure. Look at uh, you. Insider. Yeah. In, seven, in 1972, he discovered pot. Now, he really likes pot. I really like Mike. <laughs> so he starts smoking a lot of pot. Okay, sure. And then he started taking advantage of the Dallas Tollway Ordinance. Now, he, put toge- he puts together a fleet of independent wreckers. Okay. And they would all haul cars away from private property and then deliver them to a, a lot that Mike leased. Okay. He'd give each driver 25 bucks, and then when people come to get their cars, he'd charge them 43 what, what, he's, Is he just towing for anything? What is he towing He's not for? towing. He's just got a big fleet of independent guys that he's paying to bring him cars. Oh, I get you. Okay, And right, then you right. got to come get your car. Okay. All totally legal. Sure. Because the Dallas ordinance is like, that's fine. Yeah. And then one of the drivers uh, was out, and he radioed him because he's like, I want to tow this car, and these guys aren't letting me tow the car. Okay. Because the guys were undercover Dallas narc cops. You should have known when it was a police car you were trying to tow. Yeah. So the driver, the cops were like, we're, we're fucking watching. Get the fuck out of here. They can't tell them what's going on, but they're like, we're fucking working. Get out of well, here. Well, I'm working too. You get out of here. No, we're in the middle of Get something important. Get the fuck important. out of here. We're yeah. watching the club. Ah, uh, well, I'm watching the car. Sorry. Get we the got... fuck out of here. Look, we have opposed goals. That's not my fault. So he calls you, Mike. Boy, you guys whisper a lot to your chests, huh? So he calls Mike. Okay. Mike shows up. He's got a van. Uh, in his van, there is a loaded Derringer, a loaded pistol, a dagger, a shotgun, and two baseball bats. <laughs> I mean, do you need two bats at this point? It's like, what, what, are you, what are you expecting to go through? All right, the gun's out of ammo. Give me the bats! Not the swords, the bats! It'll be fun! <laughs> so, uh, that doesn't go well. He gets arrested. Sure. And the cops are pissed because he blew their stake out. Sure. And then, a little while later, another driver towed the mayor's car. Oh, dear. Oh, boy. And mayors then, don't like that. No. No. Uh, it was a, a, a temporary mayor, uh, Adeline Harrison. Well, they're uh, all temporary mayors. 
Well, she was like filling in. She was filling she in. She was just for mayor for a day. Guy. Like, he, the other guy died or didn't stopped or whatever. I don't know. All right, yeah, he got sure. tired. I don't know what happened. No, no, no. You just, yeah, just do a mayor every couple of weeks. It's the first, first uh, female. It's like tag, but with mayors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she proposes a new tow-away ordinance after they towed her car. So his business is over. Okay. Wow. Uh, so then things fall apart, and he's living in his Chevy step van, which is painted reflective silver. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Silver reflective van. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Just like a ball of light just going <laughs> along. It's a UFO, but it's on the road. I can't explain it. So Mike is a good-looking dude, a little scary. Uh, his nose is very enlarged from having been broken so many times. And you referred to him as a good-looking dude, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's very likable. Okay. Everyone likes Mike. Women are super into him. Uh, he's divorced with two kids. He's, a, he's a, a tough, good old Texas boy is how he's described. Okay. A friend asked him if he wanted to go to Mexico and told him about the job. Seemed like a, to him, it seemed like a movie idea. <laughs> uh-huh. That's when you know you pull the plug. Like, it sounds like a great movie plot that I'd watch, not live. All right? But he needed money. Sure. So he met Don at a Denny's. Mm-hmm. As one does. And at this point, Don could not find anybody to do this with him for $2,500. Okay. Uh, and he's desperate for a partner. That's how much, did I tell you how much they're getting paid? 2500 uh, he was getting paid. I thought they're he was getting, getting five thousand, right? Twenty five hundred each. Right, right. Okay. Um, so he's desperate. Uh, so Don Drup at the Denny's. He he took out napkins and drew out the plans. How many? T- how used to Denny? Like like Denny's waitstaff must be so used to people <laughs> plotting bank jobs and boots. They're like, oh, that's good. I think you guys are going to get away with that. I'll be right back with y'all's uh, waffles. Okay, thank you guys. More coffee, guys? Oh, that's great. Look at you guys with those big old guns. I think you're going to win over this crowd. Oh, don't flip it over. I don't mind. I Please, let, I've seen them all. Which one are you hitting? Oh, U.S. Bank. They got a lot of money in that vault. That's going to be a good haul for y'all. Be right back with y'all's cookies. During, while he was explaining how they would do the jailbreak, Don kept saying, quote, it's not against the law as long as you don't hurt anybody. I mean, I mean this really is a reality show concept. <laughs> he told Mike breaking out in Mexico is not against the law, and when they were done, Mike looked at Don and said, quote, what's wrong with tonight? Uh, oh, hey. Easy there, pal. Uh, I'm crazy, but what uh, crazy follow-up? Let's do it now. Well, they agree to leave the next day. Okay, let's get moving. So Don brings a sawed-off shotgun and Mike his 12-gauge pump. Sure. As they drove south, they started to get on each other's nerves. Couple alphas. Mike constantly drank coffee, so they kept having to stop for coffee. Just get two next time. I don't like it, because then one gets cold. <laughs> then get a bigger one. I don't want a bigger one, because then it gets cold before I'm done with it. <laughs> Could I get another small coffee, please? <laughs> As you're leaving the one place, I'm almost out. All right, you know what? <laughs> 
Now, Don wants to talk about the jailbreak the whole time, but Mike kept wanting to talk about getting laid in Mexico. Man. <laughs> Think of how much pussy we're going to get when we get him out or yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going or down if there we don't get... even do it. Okay, what? No, we're going to go rob the... We don't have to do it. We're... I need a coffee. We're going to break and him out. And a prostitute. Okay, we're going to break him out of the prison, uh-huh. and then we're going to come home. Ah, That's I got a, plan. a different plan. What? Yeah, I've been working on a different angle. No. We're going to go get laid a bunch... And then get some small coffees. <laughs> and then we're going to watch a couple movies at the hotel. Then we'll see how we feel. Probably get coffee. <laughs> then maybe we go back, have more sex. What? It's a hell of a guy trip. No. Yeah. Bro code. And then at some point, Mike asked Don how much money they had. $100. It's to like, Mike, that did like not a dumb sound... like dumb and dumber jailbreak. <laughs> to Mike, that did not sound like the big deal jailbreak he'd been told it was. Yeah. And it sounded like Don wanted to drive right down and do it immediately. And Mike thought, quote, I thought we were just going down there and taking a look at it. So they get to uh, Eagle Pass, and they check in a hotel, like you said. The next morning, March 1st, they crossed the border, and when Mike saw the jail, he got a very bad feeling. Uh huh. It was well guarded and very far back from the street. Well, I mean, I would think if you make the deal that if you haven't hurt anyone that you can escape, that they're going to probably guard it pretty well. You would think, but yeah, I just kind of a door. There's going to be a door, yeah. Well, not an escape door. No, like a door to the front of the jail. Well, yeah, there's a door to the front of the jail. I agree. <laughs> On the same page. Pull over. I want coffee. <laughs> Uh, so they go back to the Ego Pass hotel room to discuss the plans, and Don said they should use explosives or a fire to distract the cops. Okay, right. But every time he started getting deep into the plan, Mike would roll a joint and smoke it. Ah. Uh. <laughs> go, no. Go on, go on. I'm listening, I'm listening. I'm uh. done. I've been done for 12 minutes. It's You've been Mex- looking at the TV. It's Mexican shit's good. Stop smoking joints, you idiot. Fuck, what are we doing? The breaking cooter, god damn it! My god. Are my eyes red? Yes! You're all red! Oh, you're. You think they got Mexican cartoons on down here on that? Alright, you know what? You need to focus, brother. Like, okay. a, like a Scooby-Doo that speaks Mexican. That's what I'm thinking about. I don't have a great feeling talking to a stone man who wants to pull Scooby-Doo routes. I hope they don't have Scrappy-Doo down here, because I never liked that guy. I know the feeling. So... Let's so get a pizza and day. order some porno. What do you say? So they Make go, a day of it. They go to sleep. The next day, they watch the jail from a tamale stand, a little bit up the street. Do you want and tamales? No. No, no. You're holding up the line. Shut up. Shh. Shh. Just taking a, we're taking in the view. Another water and small coffee. Two coffees, ten minutes apart. Uh, 
So he, to Mike, it, it looks even worse during the day. It's a one-way street. The road is narrow, and there's cops standing out front. And then he has, he has to talk to Sterling. So Mike, they go back to the hotel. Mike puts him on the phone. Uh, Don puts him on the phone with Sterling. Okay. Mike says, quote, he sounded real positive about not sending anybody any money. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And Don wants to do the raid now because they didn't have much money left to keep paying for the hotel. The priorities are out of whack. <laughs> We're not going to get paid. Well, then we should do it now. Let's move. We're almost out of money. So Mike finally agreed. Okay. And at midnight, they headed into Mexico. As they drove down the street, a Piedras Negras cop pulled him over. Don said, quote, we're going to have to take him out. Okay, let's all cool out a little bit, huh? And Mike was like, just let me see what he wants before we start killing him. No, you idiot. That's his game. That's how they get you. So he got out of the car, and he looked at the cop, and he said, which way to Boys Town? And the cop said, follow me, and they followed him, and he drove them to a brothel. Okay. As they drove, they got far enough behind the cop to throw their guns in a bush on the side of the street. So this cop was pretty much, this cop is a dream situation. Yeah. Uh, Mike only had 20 bucks on him, uh, but he, he used it that night to buy uh, sex workers drinks. Sure. Sure, as one does. Spend it on a round. <laughs> I think they like me. You idiot. We're out of money, by the way, but they're all super cool. Like, so relatable. In the morning, Mike said he wanted to visit Cooter and scope out the jail. Sure. So inside... He's, Mike is freaked out. The smell is horrifying. Later, he would describe the look on the prisoners' faces as, quote, have you ever seen a drowning dog? So it is, he's been in jails, and he's like, this is the worst fucking thing I have ever seen in my life. My God, that drowned dog thing is really going to stick with me. Yeah, what does a drowning dog look like? I, I don't want to get into this. Go watch Milo and Otis. I didn't do it. I just watched it as a kid and was like, boy, what a resilient group. I can't believe they went over two different waterfalls and survived. DVD commentary, what's that? Oh, God, no! I don't know what's happening. Just go check out the cast in Milo and Otis. You're going to see a number of cats' names. (laughs) Oh, shit. They don't take... By the way, kittens don't take direction very well, turns out. We had a cat on Marin, 5,000 a day. (sighs) That's some sweet cheddar. You can train a cat. You can make a fortune, but no one can train a cat. Well, I actually got, I got one who will eat for food. <laughs> yeah. You got one that will eat its own paw if it hasn't been fed in an hour. So inaccurate. Or, sorry, flipper. Yeah. Rude, rude, rude. You're a rude man. 
a rude man. So after they go to the jail and he meets Cooter and he's freaked out, they go back to the motel. I got a good feeling. <laughs> and Mike's like, look, we need a third guy to watch for the walkie-talkie. <laughs> so they're going to split the money they're not getting three ways to do this? Well, they, it's too far back. They need someone to watch. Um, Don is, wants to do it now. He's tired of the bullshit. They start fucking screaming at each other. Hopefully in private, because if you get specific, that's a tell. And then they get in the car, and they go back to get the guns, which they threw in the bushes. Sure. On the street. Mike's talking super fast, because he's totally freaked out. Well, and he's had a lot of coffee. He's had a lot of coffee. <laughs> They've been hanging around the jail for three days. The Mexicans cop had to know what they were up to, that yeah. they were up to something. Yeah. They didn't, it turns out they didn't have enough gas to get back to Dallas. So Mike said, I don't want to do it tonight. My karma's not right. And Don is fucking disgusted. But Mike had a good point about the gas money. Yeah. Because once they break the guys out... What are they going to do? What are they going to do? All right. Wheelbarrows. <laughs> and Don knew from war, everyone needed to be focused and confident. And Mike's karma comment meant to Don that he could get them both killed. Okay. There's, there, there's what they're saying, and then there's what they're hearing. <laughs> Two strangers constantly evaluating the other in their head. Yeah, I agree. This guy's a fucking idiot. This guy's going to get us killed. Well, it's off because his karma ain't right. Boy, so, I want another coffee. Don had a friend wire them 50 bucks to buy gas money to drive back to Dallas. Oh, there we go. Okay, so finally, the pot of gold. Yeah. So back in Dallas, Mike wants to meet Sterling, so they go to Sterling's office. <laughs> uh, he asks about the money, and Sterling shows him a photocopy of a $5,000 check. Look at that. Huh? That's almost cashable. So, for those of you out there who don't think I'm going to write a check for 5000 well, I have. Where it is, Proof. you don't know. Proof. Would I make this if I didn't write one Look for at you? That. Look how easy I wrote that. Right there. That's a check. It's somewhere. Not here, but there's a picture of it. You're basically looking at gold. Okay. Or a picture of gold. All right. Also, I got you boys a nice little bullfrog farm I think you're going to want to retire to. It's a nice little area. They got self-feeders. We got a tree dilla. So all you need is maggots. That's all you need. So he still refuses to advance any money, but Mike is still in. Yeah, well, he saw a photocopy of a check. I mean, obviously, like, things are on the up and up and happening. He also noticed the, the diploma. Uh-huh. So for the third man... Mike approaches Billy Blackwell. Okay. Billy's an 18-year-old kid who used to work for him at the lot. Oh, hey, Mike. He could not read or write. Hey, Mike. (laughs) And now he was mowing lawns for a living. Hey, look at all this grass, Mike. (laughs) But Mike Hill was Billy's hero. So he was super loyal to Mike. I'll take a small coffee, too. Can't believe how much we both love coffee. Mike used to say, stick with me and we'll make a fortune. Let's rob a bank together. Yeah, and then I'll do anything laugh. for you, Mike. You complete me, Mike. I'll kill myself for you. Well, no, that's fine. We're good. Sorry. That's not a thing we need. Let's get coffees again. <laughs> Billy had shoulder length, brown hair. Uh, he told Billy they were going to repossess a truck in Mexico. That was the job. <laughs> well, boy, that sounds pretty straightforward, Mike. Let's go. 
Billy agreed to do it for 500 bucks. Sure. Now, Don is supposed to be raising money, but he can't raise any from anybody, so Mike steps in. After seeing the prisoners, he felt an obligation to get them out of the hellhole. So he's got like an emotional attachment now. Oh, to get here them we out. go. All right. Particularly Some Cooter. depth. Yeah. Particularly Cooter. He feels like... He's a guys... Cooter empath. Yep. Who isn't? So Mike approached... <laughs> Gotta be. So Mike approaches a guy who... He's called, a, he's called a creditor, but it's, like he's not, it's not a bank, but it's an official business. So he approaches a guy who loans money. Uh-huh. Well, we have those. Yeah. yeah. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. Payday. He's legit, right? Okay. So Mike told them that he was going to repossess a tractor trailer in Mexico that was worth ten grand, And he just needed 1000 Okay. So the creditor's not buying it totally, but he still loaned Mike the $1,000. Okay. So- <laughs> using the silver van as collateral. Oh, the sh- the reflective van. Yeah, the mirror. Yeah, he had his eye on that one. Yeah, yeah. he's like, hey, well, well, as long as I get that reflective van there, he looks like a superhero drives that. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? So word got to Don that another American in the prison was also going to pay five grand if they broke him out. Okay, so now they are actually looking at ten grand. Ten grand. Right, okay. So Don just wanted to free the two, but then when Mike heard that, Mike said they should free all the prisoners and then afterwards ask them all for five grand. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I think what you do is once you get everyone out, sure, they might scatter, but honor system, guys. Honor system. Yeah, these are prisoners. They know the code. Honor system. Yeah. We're expecting 5K each, okay? When we get everyone out. So he adds it up, and with all the Americans in there, he's like, this could be 50 grand. Yeah, but it's also, like, not what the deal is at all. <laughs> one of the guys you're bringing along thinks you're going to get a, a tractor. Or yeah, you're going to get, like, a car. One, one of the guys is showing you a photocopy of a check. Yeah. Yeah. No, Charlie. And you're Charlie's Angels. Charlie's showing you the check. Well, that looks that pretty good. That is super old uh, reference. Now they remade it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right. On, so Mike is now super in. Now he's totally charged up about the idea. 50 fucking grand. He needs to put the coffee down. Switch to decaf, it sounds like. He gets walkie-talkies, he gets gloves, and blue ski masks with red inserts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so his idea behind that is... I'm very ready. <laughs> We're wrestlers. <laughs> so he figures when they come in wearing that, that the comps never see that, so they'll be so freaked out that they won't do anything. Now, when this idea is pitched, <laughs> what are the others feeling? They're, They're like, down. They think absolutely, it's a great idea. they will yeah, be shot. No, that makes sense. It's like putting a smoke bomb yeah, on yeah. your head. There's no, no way they'll have any idea what's going on it's here. It's like Spider-Man, but a black Spider-Man with red eyes. Is All that what right, saying? guys, come on. Evil Spider-Men are here. Let them go through. <laughs> Big fan of you guys. That's what you are. On March Wednesday, oh, sorry, on Wednesday, March 10th. Oh, you're going European for a second. Yeah, flipped it. Wednesday, March 10th, it's on. Is it? It's on. Technically. It's on. Okay. Mike is waiting. Okay. 
Don picks up uh, Billy. They drive over to Mike. Mike's sitting there. Billy, at this point, is still thinking they're repossessing a vehicle or something. Yes. Right. Okay. Now, at some point, I would think that you're going to have to let him in on the little wrinkle that he's been left out on. Absolutely. Sure. So Mike's smoking a joint, just waiting for them to pull up. Sure. Get nice and fucking baked before this. (laughs) Certainly. I mean, if I'm saying this is not something you get high for, you do not get high for it. It's stoned before this. I'll enjoy it more. No, Mike. <laughs> what are you talking about? So the car pulls up, <laughs> and there's a guy in the back. He's got short, sandy, razor-cut hair. Who's he? Shaggy's in the van? <laughs> so Zoinks. And then he realizes that Billy's wearing a wig. Oh. Billy, who thinks they're just repossessing a vehicle, is the only one in disguise. So everyone else... And remember, they're still in Dallas. Like, they have a long way to go. He can put on the wig way down south. Yeah, but then you're not going to be as deep in character. You want to get it early. Holy shit. Boy, what do you think he's going to wear when he hears we're going to a Mexican jail? <laughs> so like you said, Billy still thinks they're repossessing a truck. So as they drive, Mike tells Billy it's a jailbreak. How do you get into that? Hey, Bill, love the hairdo. Listen, I'm thinking, I'm recollecting back to our conversation. I'm thinking I set a couple things off. Now, instead of repossess, we're breaking. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and instead breaking of... Breaking into the car? No, no. We're breaking out of somewhere that we're going to break into. What? And instead of car, it's jail. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have said so, because everything's pretty much settled and established. Love your little bot. You look like a beetle back there. Look at you. Little beetle maniac action going back there, you little... Bopper. Mm. That's right, yeah. He says, quote, Billy, what it boils down to is we're going to war down there. Uh, Okay, Mike, you are my best friend. Billy took this literally and thought they were actually going to war. Hold on. Let me get my beret and sunglasses. Billy, quote, Mike, don't you think I need a gun? Now you got a (laughs) wig. That's the hair of guns. Mike told him the jailbreak was being done on behalf of the U.S. government. So, honesty is an issue in their relationship. Well, no, because it turns out Don had told Mike they were working for the State Department. And the jailbreak was sanctioned by the U.S. government. So Don's hearing this like, oh boy, I'm king of shit. (laughs) Look at my lies going to him. We are on a mission from the government, Billy. Now Don brought a bottle of scotch for the drive. Now, we're going to need to get real ripped up before this. (laughs) None of your weed smoking. We need to focus. Let's have a third of whiskey each. What do you say? Huh? Does everyone say to a liter each? Yeah? Come on, let's go be jailbreak. That's right. Billy hasn't had any yet, which is troubling. <laughs> Fucking jailbreak, man! All right, Billy. All right. Woo! 
can't believe I'm driving. All right. Oh, boy. Uh, the whole time they drove, Mike and Billy passed joints. Well, this sounds like a pretty good time. I mean, uh, certainly, you know, uh, it's definitely like a good angle if you're going to go maybe watch a football game, but probably not if you're going to go into a Mexican jail to yeah. have, you know, a few pops in you and nine J's deep. Probably not the best headspace to be floating around in right now. So the tension. Man, their cornbread looks good. Let's go, goddammit, let's go. So the tension builds in the car, and finally Don says, why don't you guys quit smoking? And Mike responds, quote, well, hell, you're drinking. Then they just keep going. (laughs) All of a sudden, McConaughey's in the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's driving a Lincoln with that whiskey that he promotes. (laughs) Y'all know what you need to do is get a Lincoln Town car. I'll watch the moon out there kissing the clouds as they move by. All right, I'm going to roll out. <laughs> so they get to Eagle Pass. They check into the motel. They wait until the TV. Back then, TV's turned off. TV turns off. Remember, TV would, there weren't, it, TV didn't go on all night, so it, it would stop at... You were, at times, no, not able turn, to watch TV? Yeah, no, it wouldn't turn off, but the... the Everything every, would stop? Every channel would, it would, play, it would play the Star Spangled Banner, and then there'd be a flag... And then, and then it would go off for the night. It would just be snow. And then it would pick up again at 6 or 7 a.m. Boy, I am glad we got out of that phase. <laughs> Fuck. That's what the 70s were. Yeah. So, and now you're like, my Netflix won't load. <laughs> this is hell. The internet sucks here. Uh-huh. So, uh, I can't shake Facebook on a flight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Literal hell. <laughs> Uh, so that means it's 2 a.m. So they, they give Billy a walkie-talkie and they have him walk across the bridge and he's going to go watch the jail and then, and then ra- radio them. Sure. Right? So they, then they drive around and then they stop and they're waiting, waiting across the border for him to, to walkie over. And then um, two cops pull up mm-hmm. and ask him what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mike, quote, how do you get to Boys Town? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think this is just a sex worker ruse. Every, <laughs> the cops laugh and gave him directions. Oh, great. Boy. They're unable to get Billy on the walkie-talkie. They just keep trying and nothing's happening. So Mike says, quote, man, they must have got Billy. Let's go. Where? To the jailbreak. Without him? Yeah. They got him. Let's go get him. The what about plans? Are they They're- not viable? <laughs> So they crossed the border, and as they approached the jail, Billy said over the walkie, quote, six cops just left. There shouldn't be but three in there now. I like how he's getting a little Shakespearean now. <laughs> there shan't be but three inside there now. I've got the wig. I'll play the part. It looks like all the hubbub was much ado about nothing. Ah, sweet Benvolio. God Benvolio's hither. So Don turns, uh, and they get lost. It's just a maze of one-way streets, so they're just driving, now they're just driving around, uh, trying to figure out where they are, because uh-huh. back then there's no, there's no fucking GPS. So oh, you don't need to tell lost. us the TV shut off. That's already <laughs> crazy enough. 
So then a, Mex- a car of Mexican teenagers pull up beside them, and Mike yells, Pinoche, Pinoche! That doesn't mean anything. What does it mean? Pussy? Okay, so... Sir, we don't need the sign language as well. Yeah, yeah, we're good without the... So it means pussy, pussy? That's what he just yelled? Okay, so the kids take him to the police station. That's where pussies work. <laughs> so they park outside. All right, perfect. A little bit down the block. Here we are at Boys Town. A lot of these girls look like cops. <laughs> I'm going to fuck that one. I had my eye on her, too. She's hairy. Yeah. And armed. Yeah. So Don looks at Mike and says, quote, if you have any thoughts, if your karma's not right, but then Mike's fucking already got the ski mask on. <laughs> Mike is ready to go. So they put on their, and Mike, Don puts on his ski mask. They start walking across the street. They got their guns in their hands, and they approach the jail door, and Don whips it open. Uh, that's not so how they, jail doors are supposed to work. Well, you can just walk in because it's also a police station. So they, wa- they walk through the, <laughs> so they the get, lot, and then they get to the jail door. and they Potentially a little early with the masks? No. Well, no. yeah. Okay, I yeah, put a little the mask, early. I would have put the masks on right outside the door, but they put them on across the street, walk right. across the street, across the lot. Right. And then, then they open the... Hey, look, criminals. <laughs> so Don whips the fucking door open. Don had been studying Spanish phrases just for this occasion. And they yelled, Palmo Asanter! <laughs> Correct. Which translates very crudely, if at all, to span. Come on. Sp- span? S-P-A-N. Come on. <laughs> if, if you could translate it. It's really gibberish. He wanted to yell, get your hands up. All right. But instead, everyone was like, He's trying to move time. (laughs) Now, as they went through the door, Mike was thinking about the end of the movie, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Well, Mike, get in a little more positive of a headspace. (laughs) Oh, kid and the warden will kill you. (laughs) Turns out Billy was wrong. There's not three guards. Uh, Right, he can't read her right, so he's... There's five guards and five cops inside. Mm-hmm. Like I said, three. <laughs> and there's also a stenographer who's they're 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 inter- interviewing a young lady. <laughs> but the interview is pretty easy for a stenographer. Yeah. So they're interrogating a young lady. The stenographer falls off his chair. What? Everybody freezes. Everybody freezes because they're like, "What in the fuck is happening?" And they all look at each other for a second, and they stare at these guys in ski masks. And then all the cops just start fucking scattering. Interesting. And Danielle. So the stenographer's the brave one. <laughs> and Danielle's freeze. And then he hits one with a shotgun, the butt of the shotgun. Mike leaps over the counter. Two cops pull their pistols, and Don points his shotgun at them, and then they drop their pistols. Jesus. 
My, and then he's, so the cops potentially were less trained than our group. Yes. <laughs> well, the idea was they're actually just a bunch of guys making minimum wage and they don't give a shit at the end of the day. Right. So, uh, so Mike sees a cop reaching for an M1 rifle that's leaning up against the wall. Points a gun at him. He sees something behind him. It's another one. He spins around, almost shoots that guy, but doesn't. But then all the cops are just like, okay. And then they've taken over the jail. Please take all the span you need. (laughs) Give him all the span. I don't know either. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, Palmo. Yeah. Palmo. Palmo and Palmo. Don't say anything weird. These guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> so Don goes back to the cells. He brought uh, bolt cutters with him. Uh, he breaks. He snaps the chain on the door back to the cells. He goes back there. Um, there's a guard and a Mexican prisoner outside the cells in the corridor. Uh, Don moves over to Cooter's cell, and he goes to use the bolt cutters on that chain, and the bolt cutters just snap. Oh, shit. So the prisoners all start yelling, Yave, Yave, which means keys. And Don thought they were saying Yabi. And he's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And they're like, Yave, Yave. And he's like, all what right, the fuck right. are you saying? All right. And then the Mexican prisoner who's outside the cells hits the guard with a chain that he had broken off. Yave. And he tells him to go get the keys. So that guard gets the keys and opens up the uh, cell. Okay. So all the guys come out. Well, wait, first you've got to be like, all right, before you get out, you each owe us $5,000. I know we're all in a rush right now. We're all going to say whatever we want to get out of here. I'm talking honor system, boys. Let's get some IOUs written right now. Come on, legally binding IOUs. (laughs) So... They herd the cops into another cell. Mike gives the M1 rifle to Cooter. The only prisoner who wouldn't leave Cooter's cell... This is a a fantastic story. I I reckon I should finish my sentence. Nope. It's a Frenchman. Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Have you ever heard of a little something called principles? That do not run. Good luck on the outside. I plan on serving my penance like a gentleman. Can I interest you in some uh, uh, red wine from the toilet? Sorry. Did you say turtle? You stupid American swine. I'll go, but on five conditions. I require an easel and some paints. You didn't see that coming, did you? Huh? An easel? An easel. Yes. A stand for my canvas. I'm a painter where I come from. I grew up near the River Sam. A poor boy whose interests only were mine. Hey, man. However, as I got a little bit older, I decided hey, that would... St- yes, sorry. I was in the middle of a... Uh, looking you, uh... way up, Huh? Hey, you guys like frogs, right? 
Are you kidding me? You're talking about one of the greatest delicacies we have in my entire country. If yeah, someone yeah. would have a way to give me access to frogs, that uh, I don't even want to sit here. I'll pine all night for them. I think maybe we could help each other out right here. You like you... a nice maggot stuffed bullfrog? Yes. <laughs> we absolutely do. Yes. Yes. All right, so there's 20... Now they've gotten the women out. There's 24 inmates in the corridor. The French guy's in the cell. Just, just chilling. Yeah. Okay. Nobody the, the Mexican, me. The Mexican guy who hit the guard with the chain, he asked Mike for a gun. He's like, hey, man, can I have a gun? Uh-huh. So Mike sees the guy has blood on his head, and he goes, yeah, okay, and he gives him a cop's pistol. And then the Mexican runs over and kicks in a door... And behind the door are two federales no. who had been interrogating his wife. Oh, shit. So the Mexican just starts beating the shit out of the cops. Hey, man. Hey, hey, hey. With the gun. Hey, He's just man. pistol whipping the gun. Hey. And Mike looks at Cooter and he says, who's that guy? And Cooter goes, ah, he's all right. <laughs> he doesn't seem all right. He's fine. He's kind of the class clown. I'll tell you who's weird is that French guy. <laughs> Penny for my thoughts. I want to be a clown. So Billy radios, quote, Mike, you got two, Mike, you got two coming through the front door. Also, um, where's that car? <laughs> Shouldn't we be getting it out of here by now? Also, I don't know what four is. Uh-huh. So Mike runs behind the counter and crouches with his gun out and he waits. And he waits. No one's coming through the door. So finally he radios Billy and he goes, where are they? And Billy says, I don't know, man. They left. (laughs) Hey, so uh, let's use these a lot. (laughs) Got to keep each other up on what's going on. You know what I mean? Kind of update each other. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we have these. Sorry. I was looking at my wig. Like, I look like that guy from Simon and Simon. You know what I mean? Uh, I, the TV shuts off around two, so I am uh, Yeah. That's not that on. Show. Yeah, never mind. Okay. Also, that starts in the 80s. Should, I should have done... You know what? Work. Let's not use them too much. Let's use them, like, the oh. right amount. I look like the guy from... Uh, you know what, let's shut them down for a minute and just, uh, let's take a minute. Absolutely. Don't use them for a while. Oh! Mash? Yeah, okay, so don't press your button anymore to talk for a little while unless it's about guards. All in the family. Seriously, take your finger off the button because I don't think you can hear what I'm saying while your finger's on the button. I think you... Because I can just still hear the ambient noise around you, which means these are rendered useless. Yeah, yeah. Love boats, exciting and new. Come aboard. I'm expecting you. The love. How's the breaking going? Not good. Uh, they can hear someone singing the fucking love boat. So <laughs> that's me. I love that show. People fall in love. Show about a sailor banging a boat. 
Simpler times. So they put <laughs> they put all the cops in the cell, but they can't get the deadbolt to slide closed. So the how co- do we do it? <laughs> so then everyone goes to the front door. Mike Cooter and Don and the other and the other American is paying five grand are up front. Don looks at all the other American prisoners and tells them to turn right when they hit the sidewalk and then make another right at the corner and then, quote, when you hit the water, you know you're at the river. If you hit the tamale stand, you've gone too far. <laughs> but if you hit the brothel, just hang. It's if, great. If, if, if you see any cops, ask them where Boys Town is. 20... $20 on that conversation with the lady who otherwise would have sex with you. And you could go, go in there real quick, buy them all a drink, spend all your money, mm-hmm. come out. Come out. How the brothels are supposed to work. Boom. So, uh, so he opens up the doors, and everyone just starts fucking running. Sure. So five men uh, jumped into Don's Ford. Mike, Cooter, Billy, Don, and the other American. Okay. And they take off. They've been in Mexico for eight minutes. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about what they did longer than what they did. <laughs> eight minutes? Mm-hmm. Now, Pretty Mike, good. Mike had taken speed right before they crossed the border. Whoa, 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 whoa. So it's just starting to kick in. <laughs> Good God. I actually get that one. That one I get. The whiskey, the weed, no. The speed, sure, yeah. So they get to the Mexican toll booth on the side of the bridge, which it just sounds like it's a dude and a fucking thing that comes down. Sure. Like, that's it. Um, they're waiting because he's having a chat with a guy in the car in front of him, and they're all fucking panicking. Uh-huh. Uh, then they pull up, and Mike gives him a quarter, and the toll's only 12 cents, and they fucking speed off. Oh. As they cross the International Bridge, Cooter starts throwing all of the evidence they had out of the car. Guns, ski masks, some of it's landing on the bridge behind them. Is that... Is that- is that wise to throw evidence near I would, on a bridge? I don't think it's a great idea. Yeah, there's not a lot of communication in this one, and yet somehow it's still working. So they get to U.S. Customs. It's just an old man at a booth, and he says he looks at them all, and he says, "Are y'all American citizens?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you bring anything back from Mexico? Nope, nope. nope. All right, have a nice night, even that, <laughs> gentlemen. And they drive, and they drive, and they and they just keep driving. They head for Dallas. Hold on one minute. Is that John Lennon back there? That fellow? They got a mop top, and they got a mop top. I'm Fran Tarkenton. Okay, y'all free to go. Some some people, some people. So. Reporter, reporter Robert Montemayor worked at the Dallas Times-Herald. And he found out an escapee had been arrested in Eagle Rock and released. Okay. So the Americans arrested him. They let him go. So Robert drives down there, and he talks to him and agrees to give the guy a ride to Dallas. Because apparently federales are all over Eagle, Eagle uh, Pass looking for the escapees. Okay. Puts him in his car, drives him up. He's like, you owe me one. 
And then that escapee got Robert's phone number into Cooter's hand. Okay. He's like, you owe me one. So he, he right. goes, all right, here's one of the guys, the main guys. So Cooter is now at the Dallas Roadway Inn. And he Hot call, spot. And he calls Robert. Okay. And Cooter says to Robert that the jailbreakers are with him right now. But he's going to go turn himself into U.S. law enforcement, and then he'd call Robert back in three or four days when he got out. And then he hangs up. So a very happy Sterling right then arrives at the hotel, and he is so fucking excited. He tells everyone there's probably movie money in this story. Mm -hmm. Look at this check that I photocopied. Can you imagine if that were real? It's a million dollars. That's Hollywood money. Photocopied, obviously. And then he said one of his patients is writing up an outline right now. <laughs> My patients. <laughs> You're a psychiatrist? Well, no. I mean, but I have patients and a vibrating chair. Yeah, the chair vibrates. <laughs> Cooter then said he was going to give some info to a reporter, and Sterling fucking flips out. He can't believe what he's hearing. He's like, You're still on probation from the Arizona bust. You can't be talking to fucking reporters. So he doesn't, and Billy gets the 500. Billy goes back to mowing lawns. Uh, Mike, tr- Mike takes his portion of the money, tricks out his van, carpeting. The first thing you do is get some carpet in there. Nagahide upholstery with the Lone Star flag uh, carved in. Now, then- he, he needed money, right? <laughs> yeah, for, for his van, I guess. Uh-huh. And then he had a big American flag uh, put on the back of okay, detail. Yeah, right. So that's he he got what he needed with the money. Sure. But now Don is not too keen on Sterling dealing with the movie rights. <laughs> the movie right? Like, what are you just fucking walk away from the table? So Don had his lawyer in Dallas look into it. And my lawyer, by the way, is not a lawyer. He's just the man who put a degree on a wall. <laughs> Has a vibrating chair, though, so you know he's real. I pay him in photocopies. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cooter has decided that since he served 23 months in Mexico, the feds would totally agree that was punishment enough he think, what, and wipe off his American sentence. And this is all just in his head. Yeah. Right. So he turns himself into the marshals, thinking he's going to be out in a couple of days, and he's pretty confident... And then they just arrest him and charge him with a parole violation and put him in prison. Hey, but I was in another jail. I, was in a, I did all my time in another jail. You guys are real jerk-offs. And they end up sending him to a prison in Oklahoma. And when he's being transferred between prisons, he explains to a U.S. marshal that he's probably going to direct the movie. I'm on the short list. <laughs> So the reporter, Robert, found out who Cooter was, and he calls Cooter in prison. And Cooter tells him what happened, and then said, talk to my dad, Sterling. The executive producer. Yeah. (laughs) Did you know Dizzy? Sterling, he calls up Sterling, and Sterling denies he knew anything about the jailbreak. But then he keeps agreeing to interviews. So he's like, I don't know anything about it, but if you want to keep coming by and talking about it. That's fine. Sterling, quote, I'm smiling at you, Robert. You'll never know if any of this is true. I feel like it is. <laughs> I'm like, 99% it is. So then Robert noticed that Sterling's diploma for the University of Mexico is written in English. 
What's it going to take for you to not notice this? <laughs> How about a photocopy of $25,000? <laughs> it's also on the back of a Denny's maze. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <clears throat> so Sterling breaks down all the money he paid. Imagine when that it. dude pointed that out. He was like, but, huh? Yeah, because they were, you're very smart. <laughs> Sit in this chair. Like a wizard. Yeah. So he breaks down slowly how each portion, how he paid out all the money to free Cooter. <laughs> it did not take long. And Robert adds it up, and he says it costs 70 grand to get Cooter out of jail. And Robert, on the spot, adds it up, and he's like, that's 40 grand. Where'd so you he, go? What, where'd you, what college did you pretend to go to? So he thinks Sterling's kind of full of shit. Now, another reporter from the Times-Herald is also working on the jailbreak story, and he's about to print it, what he knows. And then Don's lawyer finds that out and tells Don it's time to start talking. Because when the story was printed, it's going to be on the front page. Right. So it comes out, front page of the Sunday paper, big picture of Don. Mike looks at it, and he cannot fucking believe what he's seeing. Headline, Dallas man executed jail breakout. Dom was described as, quote, a former Marine turned soldier of fortune. (laughs) And in the story, he called Mike a backup man and Billy a, quote, West Dallas punk. Do not not tell me that Billy's going to get, or that uh, Mike is going to get rubbed by the idea that he's not included enough as a lead character in this fucking article, because that would be crazy. Gareth, he's going to get upset that he's not one of the lead characters (laughs) in Don's story. Why would you want to be, like, you're like, look at this. They barely even mentioned me. Awful. Mike, completely blindsided, did not like this at all. The next night... Mike appeared on Channel 4 Evening News wearing a ski mask and holding a shotgun. No, no, (laughs) What about this seemed like a movie to you? (laughs) He books himself on the news in a mask with a gun. (laughs) He goes through... The whole story what is he doing? of how he took over the guards and his role in the jailbreak and he's in his ski mask with a shotgun. My name's Mike. <laughs> no. It's, I've, I've been trying to find the footage. It's got to be out there. Uh, uh, I really need to find it. Can um, you imagine? Oh. There's just a lot that's been said about it's, me in the press that is not true. I mean, there are, there are description, descriptions of it in the paper and it, they're just like a a paragraph like like that's all like not like what the fuck is happening but just like yeah he wore a ski mask and he made an appearance on channel four (laughs) right before weather after sports (laughs) so now sterling sees this or sterling is now implicated he's been implicated by don he's been implicated by mike but he denies he knows anything about it sure so don's lawyer the next day says he's willing to take a lie detector test to prove that he was the guy running everything. You mean Don's willing to, not Don's lawyer. Sorry, no, Don. Right, Don yeah, is Don's willing. Yeah, but Don's lawyer's like, I'm willing to take a lie detector. <laughs> Think you know everything's on the up and up. I was not there. 
I just met him. Right, so Don is willing to take a lie detector test, and that Don had done it for, quote, money and adventure. He also said, after he said that to the press, he said, uh, by the way, I'm representing Don for the book and movie rights. This, obs- I mean, the eye to Hollywood is a little uh, troubling. Now, Sterling denied have anything to do with it. But I will be the producer and the caterer. <laughs> but I'll be he, crafty. He acknowledged his son was one of the men who escaped. Okay. And he said he had not met Don until after the jailbreak. Okay. And then the next day, oh God. Sterling spoke to the AP and said he did hire Don and he Jesus was behind the whole Christ, thing. what is happening? He wants the movie money. What, what, at what point? Like, at what cost? Quote, he said he'd do the job and I said, fine. I didn't know the man. Asked why he'd lied the day before, Sterling said, quote, okay, I told you a lie. I was trying to get away from the telephone for a while. You could have just hung it up. <laughs> You know how they work, right? You got to lie before you hang up where I come from. At some point, I'm just expecting to see the French guys get the movie rights. Ah. That's right. It's called me and a cell. Yeah. <laughs> so that's his excuse for lying about the funding, not funding the operation. So, All right. You got me. Uh, Want to see a scar? So... So, Don, so it looks like Don's getting in front of the story to try to get the movie money that it doesn't seem real. And Mike is on the news in a ski mask. Mm-hmm. So Sterling does all the interviews and he, he does an interview with Robert and two television reporters. Now, for some reason, all of these interviews and press, it starts to concern customs officials in the U.S. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> on what grounds? I don't know. All the illegality? And so they start looking for Don, and Don and his lawyer come up with a plan. Don's they're, lawyer will take a lie detector. They're going to cooperate. They're going to get the best plea deal he can get, and then sell the story to Hollywood. <laughs> so he turns himself in. Uh-huh. He's charged with illegal exportation of the shotgun, and he's released on bail. Okay. Plan's working. Sure. Sure it is. Then Mike gets arrested. On the same charge, goes through the process, just without the deal that Don had cut for himself. And then the next week, Don, Mike, Sterling, and Cooter are brought before the federal grand jury in San Antonio. Okay. The justices are here this evening. Now, the jailbreak is now becoming a major international incident. American prisoners in Mexico are all being transferred away from the border. Security is being tightened in all the prisons. Mike, uh, sorry, Mexico is furious with Mike and Don because they're being hailed as heroes in the Texas press. Right. And they want them extradited, but they can't have them extradited because they haven't been convicted of a crime. Right. Secretary of State... Oh, boy. Henry the War Criminal Kissinger... Uh-uh. What did I do? What did I ever do to anybody? We should should bomb all of Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, He meets with the Mexican president, and they discuss a possible U.S.-Mexico prisoner exchange. What? In June, President Ford signs a bill written by Congress to commit the force and authority to the presidency to the investigation of American prisoner abuse in Mexico. Wow. And Ford says he's going to personally negotiate with the Mexican president. 
Oh my God. Now Mike Hill can't believe what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Wait, why? But worst of all, he's still completely fucking broke and now in worse trouble than he's ever been in in his life. Whoa, 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 whoa. Someone's forgetting about the carpeting. (laughs) And he's got some sweet Naga hide. Yeah, he's got a pretty cool interior on that shiny van. And then Don tells Mike that he cut a deal and it's every man for himself. Cool. Good to catch up with you. (laughs) Thanks for calling. Mike's favorite movie was The Getaway, and this seemed really familiar to him. So Mike's lawyer told him he had to keep his mouth shut. He's like, don't fucking talk. But everyone else was talking, so he decided to fire his lawyer. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to do two local news outlets and then shut up. He's sure Don and Sterling are getting movie money and cutting him out. It's movie money. Yeah. You know. So he'll then agree. You just wrote the movie. (laughs) So Mike Hill agrees to do an interview with Dan Rather on 60 Minutes. Oh, no. What? (laughs) Jesus. But he wants to do the interview in Dallas, and 60 Minutes refuses. They say they want him to go to Eagle Pass and do the interview... So behind him will be Piedras Negras. No, 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 no. And he'll, and then that's where he'll be interviewed. No. So he agrees. No, no. What are you doing? What are you doing? What? But then for some reason, he doesn't come across confident in the interview. He appears super nervous. What do you think time. that's due to? What is happening? Too much speed? And then after the 60 minutes... Mike holds a press conference. Good. Keep going. Well, the press. Of Mexico, he said, quote, I'm going to stay on this side one way or the other. They're going to have to start a war to get me back over there. Mike said he did not regret the raid, but also he would not do another one. (laughs) Has a hint of regret to it. I'm all raided out. You know what I mean? Like one raid's enough. Yeah. And he said Don's story was bullshit. Quote, he's lying a whole lot. I financed it. He didn't lead it. I did. But he talked first. I just want the truth to get out. If there's any credit due, I deserve as much as him. We're not heroes. That's called blame. We're not heroes. There was a job to be done. Uh, We did it. What? I'm not a fan of PR people, but they need to step in at some point. This is a national emergency. Hill said he loaned Don 2200 and only got 2200 back. So, what? He's saying that's all he got paid from the jailbreak. Oh, he just got reimbursed. He also said they had learned Spanish phrases, but when they ran into the jail, they told the prisoners to place their hands together instead of racing them up. Place your hands together and give us all your span! Hill would not tell the press the third man's name. Okay. After, Mike hitchhiked to his arraignment in Del Rio and pled not guilty because he no longer had his van, which had been used for collateral and taken. Man, that's a real bummer. (sighs) That's a tough toe. (laughs) That night... Mike sat so down. is there a moral and maybe if you get a little bit of money, just maybe don't put it into felting the no. inside of your car? I don't think there's any morals in this at all. Okay. 
That night, he sat down with uh, Texas Monthly writer Jan Reed and said if, if he had planned the operation, it would have been different. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Quote, namely, I wouldn't have used Chubby. Don. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> He also said he wasn't motivated by money. I don't know why I did it, but in the end, I don't think the money had anything to do with no, it. No, no, I'll no. say this. If I ran for president, I know 17 people who'd vote for me. Well, that's... <clears throat> that's enough. That's enough. Now, with all the international pressure, new indictments came. Don and Hill were named uh, on four, Sterling three, Billy on two. Don copped a plea. Mike had arrived uh, looking at two years max, which is what he thought. And then when he gets to court and hears all the new indictments, he's now looking at 22 years. Mm, that's going to delay production. <laughs> Dramatically. Mike also held on to the idea that the jailbreak was not illegal. Sure. Well, it's time to sort of, you're letting that go a little bit at this point. You're in a court of law. Quote, we don't have the right to go over there and kill anybody. I'd feel the same way if they'd come over here and done something like that if they'd killed anybody. But it was a peaceful kind of deal. Yeah. And the Mexicans don't have any right to be mad because nobody got hurt. Thank you. They ought to be thankful for what they got. That's thank the you. main mistake people thank make. You. They never thankful for what they got. One thank you. They don't think about how um, bad it could have been. How about some manners? <laughs> God damn. Pass the gratitude every once in a while, will you? By the way, Your Honor, none of this is illegal. Oh. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh. oh. So other, other. Oh, wow. Oh, so other, like, bringing the guns and all. That's it. That is it. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, attempted. That we did oh, do. Absolutely. Shit. That we did do. Shit. Yeah. Shit. I'm glad we did this. I think I know in future what to do, what not to do. And, uh, yeah, I think a slap on the wrist is the best way to solve this one. Yeah, yeah, slapper. Slapper. Yeah. So they still don't have Billy. So Mike delivers Billy to the U.S. Marshals. He's like, you got to go turn yourself in. All we did was try to take a car. <laughs> He's still got the wig on. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> We all drove in a reflective van. A reflective van. A reflective van. We all All drove drove in a reflective van. van. A reflective van. A reflective van. We We all... (laughs) (laughs) We're the Cheetles. So Mike, Mike is starting to think he's going to spend a lot of time in prison. Sure. He can't focus on work. He's going to have a super hard time, whatever his job was. Sure, yeah, whatever it is, for sure. Now, Don had a new look after his plea. He had a new suit. His hair's styled differently. His lawyer tried to build him up as a larger-than-life character. Quote, a patriotic veteran who, except for one wild act of valor, had a clean criminal record. Yeah. Don and his lawyer met with a PR executive in Austin and told him the story. The PR executive sat, said it sounded a lot like a new Charles Bronson movie that was coming out called Breakout. Huh? Wait, what? Huh? What? Charlie Bronson? Huh? What? That's our movie. Still, 
Don did take a couple of trips to Los Angeles and managed to sell his story rights to a company named Mustang Productions, which happened to be owned by a Dallas city councilman. Okay. So when asked about Mike, Don said, quote, I wouldn't go out partying with him, drinking or anything. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but we're coming from two different places. And uh, mine's better. (laughs) After the breakout, Don told the reporter, I didn't really think I was doing anything wrong. If I'd known going in that I was going to be breaking laws of this country, Mexico I didn't care about, I wouldn't have have done it. But since I found out that I did break the law, I'm going to have to pay for it. That's the American way, right? No. No, it is not. Can you imagine someone Wait, did I tell you something about Wells Fargo, Don? Can you imagine someone named Don getting in over their head with illegality because they didn't really know what the fuck they were doing? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying it would be crazy. So, so Mike thought Don calling him a hired hand was costing him money. He wondered if anything else besides, uh, besides Sterling had been paid any money. Anything besides the money Sterling had given him had been paid. Has Sterling dished out any more photocopied checks? Yeah. Yeah. Did any of the other prisoners pay money, he's wondering? Right. None of the money had gotten to Mike. It turns out at least two prisoners who had escaped jail were visited by Don, and he threatened to return them to Mexico if they did not cough up 5K. So empty. One said Don threatened to kill him. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, Don's learned a bunch of lessons. He's just a big old character. At the same time, Sterling's life is falling apart. On May 12th, he's forced to withdraw his application for a psychologist's license. <laughs> but he'd, he'd faked so hard through school. On July 12th, the Mexican consul in Dallas announced he had never gotten a degree from the National University in Mexico City. <laughs> Weird, <laughs> because uh, we don't print degrees in English. Uh, then the judge in his bullfrog case said a, set a hearing to discuss revoking his probation. Sterling had left the country while on probation, and he had bragged to reporters he sent 70K to his son. He still owed 50K in restitution to his bullfrog victims. Jesus. And, and 9800 of his fines. So he paid $200 of all that shit. Okay. Oh, wow. In court, Sterling explained he didn't realize Eagle Pass and Piedras Negras were different cities. Sure. <laughs> sure. Again, really meticulous. Yeah, there's a bridge and a border. It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. And then he blamed, blamed the 70K amount that's being reported on the reporter being confused. He had told the reporter that he was going to lie to him, which he did. I did say that. Sterling said he was prepared to sign over his movie right contracts to the court. All right, look, look, look. I'll walk away from the movie project. What movie, you old idiot? Whoa. So the judge started pressing him on the movie rights story, and Sterling said on the stand that Warner Brothers had advanced him $1,000. Yeah, so I think it's because they have a frog as their logo. Quote, the Warner Brothers people were here in town last week. They're supposed to start shooting in September. So, (laughs) Now, Don was also there as a possible witness. Okay. And he looks remarkably happy. The reason why... No. Because it turns out, as part of a publicity stunt, 
Someone in Scotland was paying him to go to Scotland to dive in search of the Loch Ness Monster. Gig's a gig. <laughs> what are you so happy about? I'm going to go find the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Hollywood came calling again. Man of adventure right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's getting $1,000 for the trip. Oh, perfect. Then the judge... How much if he finds her? <laughs> oh, more, I guess. Uh. Or him. Let's not... No, Nessie. I would say gender specific. We don't know. I've seen a picture very close (laughs) up. And uh, all I've seen is the Loch Ness vagina. Yeah. Yeah. That is a that is a graphic photo. Yeah. But that's the only one they have of the pussy. Yeah. But it's holy shit. That's a lady Loch Ness. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I got that in my room, right above my bed. And uh, look, the contract's over. Just leave. (laughs) For Christ's sake. Stand up here talking about Nissy's pussy. That's unbelievable. Tell you what. I didn't know a Loch Ness could look like that inside. Then I found myself inside of Nessie via vagina, okay? It was sort of like Pinocchio, but a little more graphic. So wet, but I mean, always wet because she's in a lake. But once you're inside, it really opens up. It's a, a beautiful condo, essentially. What? Yeah, once you're inside, her, the inside really opens up in a be- beautiful space. I lit a candle, had a read. You lit a, a candle in life? Yeah, I was in there for about a day, day and a half. Through the vagina? Via vagina, yes. Hey, deal's a deal. Anyway, I apologize for everything that I said. Mm-hmm. The judge then recessed uh, to September until after Sterling's trial for the breakout. So she's like, we'll deal with the probation stuff later. Okay. Until, uh, up until one month before their trial, Don was still trying to get money from escaped prisoners. He repeatedly called Carrie Jorgensen of Colorado demanding 5000 and wanting to know where other prisoners were. <laughs> At one point, Don told her, quote, you're being very inconsiderate not paying me. Okay, Bye. <laughs> She also said Don told her, quote, he could bag us all and take us back to Mexico. You can't go to Mexico, you liar. (laughs) Sterling, Mike, and Billy went on trial in late September. Their defense attorney argued Don was working for the State Department and that the government was not admitting to it because they were embarrassed by Don. Well, that's quite a swing for the fences theory. (laughs) Wow. The three were looking at possibly five years each and a $10,000 fine. Don testified he got... That's just two convicts. <laughs> Don testified on the stand that he got $25,000 for the movie rights. Okay. $1,000 to look for the Loch Ness Monster. Well. And $25,000 for the breakout. Fifteen k came from the brother of another prisoner. Shut up. So he is another just... Another third gave him... Uh, a third prisoner gave him 5000 and then with Sterling's five, he Holy made twenty five. shit. 
He claimed he Why paid, go with the Sorry, why take the Loch Ness gig when you're getting all this money? <laughs> well, that's adventure. That, yeah. Also, I don't know if you've seen Loch Ness's vagina. I got to go. I'm Dan Rather with 60 minutes. <laughs> hey, Tim Matt, Loch Ness monster. Uh, Don claimed on the stand he paid Mike 12k, which Mike did not agree with, and then he paid Billy 5500, sorry. Under cross-examination, <laughs> un- under cross-examination, he denied he ever called Billy a West Dallas punk. The prosecution played uh, the TV interview with a masked Mike Hall and his well, shotgun. Well, that's not me. But there was no sound. So it did nothing to help the prosecution's case because they couldn't identify. <laughs> How are you not able to get a tape with sound? I don't, I don't know. Man, talk about the relief. You're like, oh, thank God. I knew that was. <laughs> Billy's sisters testified that he told them he was going out of town on a government job. I'll see y'all later. I'm <laughs> off on a government job. That's what they do with non-readers. <laughs> Mike Hill and Sterling were both convicted of conspiring of importing a weapon into the United States and acquitted of two other charges. Billy was acquitted completely. After the judge sentenced Mike and Sterling on October 3rd, 1976, she said, quote, I would stay away from the Mexican border. Objection. After Mike told reporters he didn't think he had done anything wrong. Don was sentenced to four years. Mike got six years. Sterling got five years, uh, which would be served concurrently with his probation uh, sentence. Right. Okay. Uh, they were all fined $10,000 each. Don had been told he would probably get probation for taking the plea deal, but he got four years. Right. In November 1978, Mike and Sterling's convictions were thrown out on appeal for several reasons. So the only guy, really, who has a record from this is Don. Yeah. Well, that's Hollywood, baby. Yep. <laughs> on February 10th, 1980, the Irving Daily News reported Don Fielden had found God. Oh, no. And was a born-again Christian. Oh, dear. Quote, I'm a convicted Christian instead of a convicted felon. (laughs) So that means he's a preacher now. He is going around speaking. Uh Uh-huh. He'd grown a beard to change his appearance so people wouldn't recognize him. I'm basically (laughs) Jesus. Okay? He is me. I am him. Okay? Right? He said he didn't care for the limelight. No, no, not me. He was remarried. To the Lord. He still believed he hadn't done anything morally wrong and believed he was only a scapegoat. Quote, scapegoat, a Christian scapegoat. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! And had only been sent to prison to appease the Mexican government. Quote, by all rights, why should I be convicted of a crime that's done every day? Well, because everything you said is a literal lie. (laughs) Just now. So it's not done every day. No, it's not true. It's never done. No, it's like not been done a lot. Every single day guys are breaking guys out of jail in Mexico. Well, that's not at all factual. Can't pick up a paper, though. I have. I write for one. Broke out of Mexican jail with a bunch of his buddies. No, no, yours is the last one in years. It's like, why? Because I'm a Christian? That's why? No, no, because you broke the law and this doesn't happen every day, as you stated. If I didn't believe in Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gone to jail for busting all those guys out of jail. No, you would have. Amen. 
I love the Lord. Great. Then keep it to yourself. Nope. Okay. Wow. I just thought of something. Well, don't say it out loud. I'm leaving. It's almost like me converting to Christianity is the perfect end for a movie. You know, Charles Bronson's making Bruce Almighty, so... Uh... <laughs> You're creatively cleared there. That's it. That's it? Jesus Christ. That's crazy. You know what you guys should call the movie? The Silver Van. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming out. We really appreciate it. Truly. Thank you. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this, uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 